Hello and welcome to the Father's House Church. We're so glad that you're here. We hope that you feel loved by this message from one of our guest speakers. Well, uh, today we are just celebrating the ordination of Hayward and Effie Eastman. Now, what, the, it's not the ordination of them into ministry. It's the transferring of their ordination papers from the POC to the FCA, which we are part of. And so we're just super excited that Hayward and Effie, we've already prayed for them in the first service. We're going to do it again. Why don't you guys come up here, welcome them. And Hayward and Effie have been in ministry for over 35 years full time. Betty, why don't you come on up here as well? And uh, we just are so grateful for these folk who, in their quote-unquote retirement, said, we want to serve the Lord. And, uh, you know, have just taken a very special place and role in our church family in multiple ways. You probably hear them if you ever have prayer requests or new people here. Hayward and Effie will uh, be connecting with you and praying for you and serving in so many capacities. We're just so grateful for you guys. And again, how many of you know I have nothing to teach them at all, so therefore their ordination is not like you better jump through these hoops. No, no, no. They have so much to teach us. Amen? Just so you understand our fellowship, uh, we licensed our three young ministers, which is kind of like the beginning of their process toward ordination, which will take several, several years. What we're doing today is far different than that. It's just transferring of that which we recognize on Hayward and Effie and just thanking God that they've chosen to be with us and to serve together with us. And so Betty's going to read a scripture, a charge to you guys. Here you go. Okay, your scripture is in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead. And in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. With great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when, when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your heads in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, and discharge all the duties of your ministry. Amen. Amen. So your response, if you're willing, is with God's help, we're willing. With God's help, help we, we will. will. Amen. Now, that's okay if it wasn't in sync. Your marriage has been doing fine. Your guys are great. <laughs> you have a charge too, though, church family. Let me read that to you. Hebrews 13. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you of those who must give an account. So do this so their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you or anyone else. Amen? If you agree with that charge, say amen. amen. Yes. Well, we're going to pray now. Luke, I'm going to ask you to pray before you preach the word of God. Amen? 
Hallelujah. Well, Father, we thank you for this couple. We thank you for Hayward. We thank you for Effie. We thank you for faithful men and women of God who have, have said, God, we are living for you. We are living to serve your kingdom. We are living to see your people built up and encouraged and instructed. And so, Father, we give you thanks right now for this couple. Father, the, the place that they are taking in our church, Father, we, we saw their faithfulness from day one. We saw your faithfulness in them from day one, Father, when they just came in and started to love people and serve people. So, Father, thank you that that's who they are. That's who they're going to continue to be as you continue to pour out your spirit upon them, continue to anoint them, Father, in all the ways that they've served. God, your power will be with them to continue to serve. God, in all the ways that they love, you will continue to love through them, Father. And so I bless them and we bless them now, Father, as ministers who serve you and serve us. And we give you thanks and praise for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So um, for those of you that don't know, uh, Luke was on staff with us for over a decade and now serves with uh, our member of parliament uh, in his office and in his riding. And I thought uh, Luke would be a great person to come and preach to us on Canada. He has a word of the Lord for our nation, I believe, today. And uh, we're just so grateful for you. Let me pray for you, Luke. Father, we love you and we thank you for this man of God that is among us, Lord, and serves as a faithful elder in this church and faithful as a servant in our nation, Father God. We bless him now and may the word of the Lord flow richly from him to our hearts in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Luke. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to church and Canada Day weekend and great to be with you here. You know, the best thing that we have is faithful people, amen? That's what this church is full of. This church is full of men and women who love God, whose lives have been transformed by the power of God, amen? Each one of you here, when you gave your heart to Jesus, you became a living, walking, breathing, talking, miracle, example of what God can do. And you know what, sometimes we might not think that when we look at ourselves. We're just like, uh, you know, I, uh, who am I? I'm just, I'm just a normal person. We're all just normal people, but we're extraordinary because of what God has done in us by the power of His Spirit, by the sacrifice of Jesus, amen? And so we have so much to celebrate and give thanks for, and uh, that's what we're doing as part of this weekend, Canada Day. We're celebrating God for this incredible country that we live in, and um, yeah, I guess I'll put that on the ground. <laughs> they say in some cultures, you know, they're wrapped in you know, sacred cloths and all that kind of stuff. Not supposed to be on the floor. The flag's not supposed to be on the floor. It happens, right? Well, it is Canada Day. You are blessed to live in this country. 
I'm blessed to live in this country, amen? Canada has been for the last uh, four years ranking between the number one or number four in, in that range of countries in the world to live in for quality of life. In 2021, do you remember 2021? Okay. Canada was ranked the number one place in the world to live in 2021. And something happened between uh, then and now, and uh, Canada is no longer as good a place to live in. Uh, we're now the number three place to live in the world. I don't know that most of us would agree with that. We would have thought uh, better now. Uh, but uh, number three this year, the United States ranked number 21 this year. So come on. Come on, they, uh, oh, they can have the Stanley Cup, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, we'd rather, we'll be 21 and uh, they can be number one, give us the Stanley Cup. Yeah. <laughs> Such are the trades. And yet for all that Canada is, you know, one of the best countries in the world to live in, I think there are things that we would like to see changed. You know, we would like to see change. And uh, the last few years has raised uh, in our mind uh, just the number of things that we would like to see changed. But all the same, it is uh, the number one country in the world to live. I guess, uh, you know, probably for Christians, maybe there's a lot more reasons. You know, we're seeing our country change. We're seeing it evolve. And it's evolving away from being, you know, a Christ-centric and a Christ-founded society towards a post-Christian society, right? And I think that we are, we are uh, anxious. That makes us anxious. That makes us a little nervous. You know, we have seen Canada be such a God-honoring place, amen? We've seen this province be such a, tr a tremendous place where Christ has been exalted. You know, our, our, our premier in the 70s preached the gospel on national radio, and you could hear it all across Western Canada. Uh, what, a great, what a great thing for this province. That's, you know, kind of the heritage that we have and where we come from, and yet, of course, now we're seeing that drift away from that heritage, and and it's, it's frustrating. We see our nation becoming less. And we see it becoming less by becoming more, right? Becoming more divided, more insecure, more dishonest, more disordered, more just of things that we, we don't want. You know, we have, a, we have a desire to live for God and love God, and we want to see people's lives, you know, moving towards good, moving towards righteousness. That's what is in our hearts, amen? Praise God. I hope that's what's in your heart this morning. You want to see this country better and better and better and better, not because we have better jobs, but because our faith is in God, amen? And we're putting our hope in the right places. But at the same time, we do have this reality. And so how do you and I respond as ambassadors of God's kingdom, as disciples of Jesus Christ in this context? How do we respond? That's what I want to look at a little bit 
uh, today as we look into the Word of God on Canada Day. And so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for faithful men and women who fill this church, who are part of this church, the family of God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are at work in each one of them to draw them uh, into uh, just becoming more and more like Jesus. And so, Father, we ask that even through this service, your Holy Spirit would work in each one of us. God, that we would be changed, we would be renewed, we would be refreshed, Lord God. We would be empowered to live for you in this place, in this time that you've called us to be. Thank you that you're going to do that, and we commit it to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. So you can turn with me in the book of Acts to Acts chapter 16, and we've been in the book of Acts for the last little while, taking a journey through this book. We got past this chapter, but I'm going to backtrack a little bit for us uh, to a passage that we didn't get to take a look at. Acts chapter 16, uh, and starting in verse 16, and it goes down all the way to verse 34. I'm just going to kind of be summarizing it for you. If you've got your Bible in front of you, you can follow along. But uh, in this, in this uh, passage, we see the Apostle Paul and Silas, and they are in the city of Philippi. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, Pastor Schuyler took us there to Philippi with them. And we, you know, Paul started that church of believers in that community. And so Paul is still in that community. And anyways, it's the hour of prayer. And he and Silas and his ministry team uh, are going out to, to fellowship with the church that's been planted there. And as they go out, they are met by a slave girl, and this girl, we are told, has a spirit of divination. And so I'm not going to tell you exactly what that is, but basically in our culture, in our context, we would say that she was a psychic. We would say that she would be able to read your mail without opening the envelopes, right? Uh, and so this is what this girl was able to do, uh, and her masters uh, derived profit from this capacity that she had. And uh, the, she would go around following the apostle Paul and Silas, and she would say, look at these guys. They are God's servants, ambassadors of the Most High. They're going to show you the way of salvation. And, you know, you might think, oh, well, that wasn't that what they were doing. Of course, that is what they were doing. But it was the wrong spirit speaking. And so Paul turns around. So this lady follows them day after day for many days. And so he get, finally gets annoyed. Enough of this. Devil, get out of this lady. And she's set free from demonic oppression, and uh, her owners are mad because one of their revenue streams has dried up. No more fortune-telling revenue stream. And they're upset, and so they have uh, Paul and Silas uh, brought before the town council, the magistrates, and they basically say these people are troublemakers. Anyways, it, a big kerfuffle ensues. Paul and Silas, well, the town decides the, these are troublemakers. And, and so they, they say, well, put these guys in prison. Bind them up securely. So they are put in prison. And the Bible says that they're put in the inner prison, meaning they are put basically in the deepest cell. They're put in the dungeon of the prison, the most secure place. And while they're there, uh, their feet 
are put in stocks. And so, you know, if you've been to like a medieval fair or watched any of those medieval uh, movies or anything, you might see that person, you know, who's, you know, his hands are strung through a wooden frame and his feet are through it, his head's through it. They can't move. You know, and that's kind of the situation here. The Apostle Paul, his feet, uh, Silas, their feet are put in these stocks and they can't move. And in fact, they, they can't even stand. They have to, you know, lay down on the ground. And that's the situation that they're in. And this, this cell, it, you know, it's not nice. This is the inner cell. So what happens there is there's only one source of light, and that's, that's the door. And when that door closes, it's completely dark. In that cell are other people. They're real troublemakers, real criminals are in there. And the Apostle Paul and his, uh, you know, friend, they are in there with real criminals. And there are no facilities in that place. It's just going to be, uh, you know, a dirt floor. It's damp already and it's even damper now because you've got a bunch of people and they have nowhere to put their bodily fluids. And so this is where the Apostle Paul and Silas have to lay down on the ground in this place. You know, if you could be honest, what do you think would be your response if anything remotely like this happened to you? I mean, where, where do you think ancient Rome fits in on the quality of life <laughs> index rating for nations? N- not in the top four. Probably not number 21 even. They're not even making it there, right? This is not really a great place, but it says in Acts 16 and 25, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. At the darkest time of night, in the darkness of that cell, in the midst of all that bodily discomfort, with rods. Did I tell you they were, their clothes were torn off and they were beaten with rods before they were put in prison. So then not a good time. Not a good time. And here they are singing. Paul and Silas began to worship God, singing hymns. And uh, you know, it wasn't like when the Titanic went down. When the Titanic went down, uh, they sang hymns. Famously, nearer my God to thee. And it's kind of a funereal hymn. And people sing it because they're, they're getting very near to God. That's what's happening. Uh, that ship was going down and everybody knew they were going down with it. And so that's what they were singing. But I don't think this is what the Apostle Paul was singing. This is not what Silas was singing. Man, they were rejoicing. I mean, they were having a good time. This is what's happening in this prison cell. And there they are, you know, they're on the ground and they're all bound up and they're singing, 
Your goodness is running after, running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, running after me. That's, that's what's happening there. That's what's happening there. And people are listening to them. They're listening to these people think God is good. God is faithful. God is with us right here. Amen? That's what's happening in that prison cell. You know, I wish, I hope that I would respond the same way. I don't have a lot of confidence that that's how I would respond. (laughs) Because I, I, I know what happens when I'm in traffic and someone doesn't get off that light after three seconds. Three seconds? That is, uh, the horn is on, (laughs) right? It does not work. Uh, So God has something to do in me, obviously. But, you know, they managed this well. They They were in this terrible situation, and they were praising God. You know, now, when it comes to our context, when it comes to living in one of the best places in the world to live, on the whole, you know, we are not facing this situation. And, you know, By God's grace, we never will. By God's grace, this will not be something that can just happen to anybody, you know, in this country. Amen? Uh, We don't live in ancient Rome, praise God. Uh, We don't live in communist China. We don't live in war-torn Ukraine. We don't live in impoverished countries that are around the world. We live in one of the most prosperous, freest, most blessed places on the world and on the face of the planet to live. Amen? And uh, in saying that, I don't mean to minimize the difficulties that we do go through. I don't mean to minimize that, right? Well, just because you're, suck it up, you're not in ancient Rome. (laughs) Because that doesn't really help. You You still know what's difficult. You're still going through trying things, amen? And uh, the thing is, we want to get through those things well. And we want to be learning how to respond to these challenges in our world that blesses us, you know, in a way that blesses us. Don't you want to be blessed by your own response to life? Praise God for how I responded. Yeah, Yeah, I did that well. I think that's what we want to be able to say to ourselves at the end of the day, you know? But uh, how do we respond well? How do we go maybe from, from not having such a good response and honking our horn after three seconds to singing, all my life you have been faithful, amen? So it says in Psalm 37 and starting in verse one, do not fret because of the evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as a green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him. Rest in him and wait patiently for him. Do not fret 
because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. Two responses that we can have when we face hostility, maybe face just incredible difficulties in your life. Maybe it's an injustice, an unfairness, uh, something that's just not right. And, you know, you are in that situation. Maybe you're feeling bewildered or confused about why this is happening to you, right? How can we respond? Two responses. Response one, fretting at the unfaithfulness of the world. You know, our text there said three times, do not fret, do not fret, do not fret. And obviously this triple Uh, imperative is pointing to the fact that we do fret, we do fret, we do fret. And so what is fretting? This is what it means. Fretting means to heat yourself with vexation. (laughs) To heat yourself with vexation. Uh, You know, it means getting really worked up getting red in the face, letting things and people and problems get under your skin, uh, letting them get to you, bother you, aggravate you, drag you down. And, you know, you end up anxious and aggravated and irritated and a blessing to nobody. That's what's going to happen eventually, right? Fretting is basically pouring fuel on the fire of an already bad circumstance. Just think of you know, all your problems and you collect them all and you just pour gas on them and you warm yourself at that fire. <laughs> Heated with vexation. Getting hot in here. As many of you know, I, I work for a member of parliament for this area. And you know what, I want to tell you, so many people call in and they are so aggravated. They're so irritated. They're so frustrated. They're distressed about Canada. They're distressed about our country. And uh, you know, it can be for a range of issues. Maybe it's about the prime minister. Maybe it's about COVID-19. Maybe it's about the carbon tax. Maybe it's about the cost of living. Maybe it goes on and on goes on and on and on. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not an easy conversation to be having with people. And I, I don't want to minimize their distress. They're calling because things are getting to them. And sometimes they're so agitated. I'm going to, you know, you have to hold the phone over here. You have to hold the phone. They're, they're yelling. You know, they're so worked up. They're so heated with vexation that you have to hold that phone away. And sometimes, you don't just hold it away. <laughs> Nothing heats people with vexation more than being hung up on. and they call back immediately to let you know. <laughs> Just so you know, we don't, we don't hang up without warning them. We do warn them and say, you know, we have to keep this conversation constructive, you know. But if, if they don't heed the warning, we, we're, 
Amen. You know, the world is an unfaithful place. Wow. That's, that's our world. It's unfaithful. And it's been unfaithful ever since Adam broke faith with God in the Garden of Eden. From right from then. And it's unfaithful still today. It hasn't suddenly somehow become faithful. It's still unfaithful. Canada's unfaithful. Great country that it is. You know, it's, a, it's, it's an unfaithful place to live. Unless we think that we can judge from a high moral ground, because we're saved, and we're washed in the blood of the Lamb. You know, when we look at the history of the church, wow, if you want to be humbled, read, read some of that history. Terrible stuff sometimes. Just the wrong spirit. Not, not loving. <laughs> Tough stuff to read. And um, so we have no place to judge the world from for its unfaithfulness. Christians aren't saved because of our faithfulness. That's not how we are saved. Christians are saved by the grace of a faithful God. Amen? So what do we do with all of this unfaithfulness? Fretting, of course, is an option. It's a real option. But it's a response that doesn't really help us. Our passage said, do not fret. It only does harm. It only does harm. It does harm to me when I'm all worked up. Am I peaceful? Am I joyful? Am I loving God in that moment? No. I am, I am upset. I am disordered in my spirit. And that's not what God does. I've actually drawn away from God. I need to go right back to Him. I need to go right back to Him. Amen? When it comes to the unfaithfulness of our world, we don't, we don't want people hanging up on us. I don't want somebody to hang up on the Father's house, uh, on people here. I'm going to tell you, none of you has ever called my office, as far as I know. <laughs> I don't take all the phone calls, but as far as I know, you know, none of you has ever called and said, you know, and I just had to hang that one up, you know. I'll see them at church on Sunday. <laughs> Praise God, but we don't want the world to hang up on Jesus. And you know what? If we're not responding right to the world, out of God's heart for the world, then they will hang up. Amen? And so God wants us to respond in a way that honors Him, uh, that honors Christ in us, and that honors what He is doing in the world. Amen? And so when it comes to this unfaithfulness, you know, we need to have a response. It's not that we just are like, oh, well, I'm, I'm just going to be numb to this. I'm going to be silent to it. Uh, I'm going to be cynical about it. I'm going to be fatalistic. Well, it'll never change. Whatever. You know, that's not God's heart for our response to the things in this world or even in our lives, even ourselves. Sometimes don't you see weakness in yourself, unfaithfulness in yourself? God does not want you to fret about your own unfaithfulness. 
God, I've been serving you for so long. How come I haven't changed? How, How come I'm so slow to change? You know what? I do not do that to myself. I know I change slowly. Man, I know it. Must be painful for God. (laughs) But you know, God has taught me just to be, I don't want to make excuses for myself, right? But I also don't want to be vexed. That's not my burden to carry. Amen? That's not yours. And if your family's going through troubles or, you know, it's not, God doesn't want you to be vexed. You're actually a wellspring of life in every situation because God is with you, amen? So what can we do? Response number two, feeding on the faithfulness of God. Feeding on the faithfulness of God. You know, God, our unfaithfulness is only half the story. The unfaithfulness in the world is only half the story, and it is the lesser half by far. The lesser half by far. You know, how many of you know that your life is a record of God's faithfulness? Your life, every moment of your life, the good and the bad, is a record of God's faithfulness. You know, I remember when that happened, and I realized God has been with me all of my life. And God said, I've been with you all of your life. What a moment, jumping up and down for joy. God has been faithful to you since the day you were conceived. He said, I am not letting that one go. I am not failing them. Hallelujah. And that's every person who comes into the world. God has never been unfaithful to anyone. And there are terrible things that happen to people in the world. And God has been faithful to every person. God's faithfulness is revealed in a number of ways. It's shown through his presence. God is present, has always been present. You know, one of the questions that people often ask, you know, who don't know the Lord and you're getting into like, you know, talk, you're talking about God and stuff and they're like, well, if, if, if God created everything, um, where did God, who created God? And then you have to explain, well, well, God wasn't created. He didn't become he, he always existed. He's, he's how everything exists, right? And the Apostle Paul t- talks about that in Acts chapter 17, and I believe Pastor Ed was talking about that a couple of weeks ago. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole world. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way to Ward him and find him. Though he is not very far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and exist. You know, the context of your existence is the presence of God. The context of your existence is Jesus. The context of your existence is the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. What an incredible reality. This is life-changing. If you don't know this, you know, if you are here today and you, this is your first time in church, or maybe you're online and you're joining us for the first time, God has always been faithful to you. God existed before the whole world came into existence. Amen? And he is the context for everything that, that, for our existence. Before we were ever born, God was there. Amen? A faithful God. 
The history of this world is a history of God's faithfulness to an unfaithful world. That's the history that's revealed in the Bible. The reality of God, the revelation of His presence changes everything else about our world. No matter how great the unfaithfulness in ourselves or in our world, there is someone who is greater than our world and greater than its unfaithfulness. You know, it says, I think, I think it's in 1 John. When we are unfaithful, he remains faithful because he can't deny himself. And this is, his, this is who he is, right? And so the second way that God reveals himself is through his personality, through his personality. Across the pages of script, oh, sorry, where am I? Where am I? I'm lost. <laughs> it doesn't matter. We can move these around. Through his personality, right? Across the pages of Scripture, God reveals who he is and what he is like. And while we could list a lot of the things about, you know, what's revealed to us about God on the pages of Scripture, there's a lot that we're told about God, right? Jehovah Jireh, my provider, right? There's lots of the names of God, Jesus and who he is, the bread of life, the resurrection and the life. There's lots of things that the Bible tells us about God. But what it's always telling us about God is that he's faithful. What it's always telling us is that he is faithful. And you know, on one occasion, God revealed himself to Moses. Moses, of course, central figure of the Old Testament. And uh, you know, the whole nation of Israel lived basically under the framework that between God and Moses, they came up with, (laughs) to use that term loosely. God ordained that, that lifestyle, right? And so the whole of the Old Testament, Moses is this central figure. And anyways, God, Moses at one point says to God, God, show me your glory. And so God says, okay, I'll do it. And so we're going to just take up the very end of that story. And, it, you know, Moses is on Mount Sinai and God comes down in a cloud and stood there with him. And he called out his own name, Yahweh. The Lord passed in front of Moses calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. You know, when God reveals himself, he reveals his faithfulness. When he reveals himself to us, that revelation, you know, will often make us feel our unfaithfulness. We're convinced very quickly Whoa, Uh, I am, as Isaiah said, a man of unclean lips, and I live in an unclean world. And so very quickly we become convinced of our unfaithfulness, but that is not the point of God revealing himself. If we come away from God and what we are convinced of is our unfaithfulness, we've we've only dipped our toe in what God 
intended because he intends us to come away with a revelation of his faithfulness. I am faithful. 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 No matter what you're going through, I I am faithful. Hallelujah. That is what God wants me to know. Every time I leave church, every time I leave a place of prayer, or every time I close my Bible, God wants me to know He is faithful. No matter what is going on in my life, what, no matter what a mess I am, right? No matter my weaknesses, oh, yes, He's faithful. Amen. And He's never not going to be faithful. Hallelujah. He reveals his faithfulness through his providence. By providence, we mean that, uh, that God is continually present in the world because of this, right? He's present. Well, he's not present when he created the world. He's presently, constantly in his world. In him, we live and move and have our being. Nations rise and fall, not because of the will of man, but because God is in charge of the world. He is sovereign over the world. We sang that this morning. God, you reign. God, you reign forever and ever. God, you reign. And God reigns here in Canada. He reigns over this nation. We don't acknowledge that. We often don't see it, but he is reigning because he reigns over his whole creation. And nothing can resist him, amen? And so God is, is, is in our world, and by a thousand, uh, a thousand unseen actions, countless unseen actions, transactions that God is making, he is active in this world. And, and in this way, he is in charge of the world, but it also means that he is sustaining it. The sun rises and sets because of God. We think it's just science. We forget that it's God, really. All these things happen because of him. But not only is the world sustained, but this is the way by which we are brought to salvation. This is the way that you are brought to salvation, right? People are, the nations are, are blindly seeking towards him, and they're trying to find him. That's how God, God created it. He wants to be found. He's actually created a system so that he can be found. Awesome. We're lost, but he created our world in such a way that we would find him. Amen? God is in charge of our world. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You know, you and I are never in the grip of blind forces like chance or fate or luck. You know, we are in the hands of God and the everlasting arms are underneath us. We can fall no further than the faithfulness of God. Amen? And so what a God we have. He reveals himself through his promises. You know, God's faithfulness, God is a covenant-keeping God. And by this we mean that God uh, is in relationship with us. And those relationships are through sacred promises that he makes and that we're a part of. 
And the Old Testament lays out many of these promises. And of course, what happened, what do we discover in all those promises? We discover that God is faithful and that we are unfaithful. Because our side of the bargain, we never manage our side of the bargain. We are unfaithful. And uh, so that's what happens. But God is so faithful that he doesn't abandon us in our unfaithfulness. He actually creates an agreement that cannot be broken. And that is the new covenant, right? The new covenant. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Jacob, with the people that he is calling. Amen? This is the covenant I will make. I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. No more shall every man say to his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall all know me for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. You know, it's a covenant that can't be broken because it's a covenant that God makes within the Trinity. And I think sometimes we've excluded the Holy Spirit from this, but I think the Holy Spirit is part of this covenant. God agrees that he will make a covenant with himself that no one can undo. And so as part of this, Christ is made flesh. He's born into this world. The Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, is born into the context of our unfaithful world. And he lives a faithful life. In every point, he is faithful to God. And at no point is he unfaithful. And at the end of his life, he gives his life for us. And he takes upon himself all of our unfaithfulness. And he, he dies on the cross. And all of that faithfulness descends with him into hell. And three days later, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God raises up Jesus Christ from the dead. And then he gives all of Christ's faithfulness to us as a gift if we will put our trust in him. All of his faithfulness. And I'm telling you, there's your unfaithfulness cannot undo the faithfulness of Jesus. It can't undo it. It can't undo it. And you know, that's not supposed to mean that we can, of course, just be unfaithful. <laughs> Great. That's not the point. The point is, you're safe. You know, you might think, I, I, I don't have it all together. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Yes, that is right. Thank God Jesus has it all together. And then you know what? God says, I am gonna fill these people with my spirit. Not only am I gonna give them, a, you know, a, a tribute, all my faithfulness to them, I'm gonna put a spirit within them that will cause them to be faithful cause them to be faithful. And so God is, shows his faithfulness not only through, uh, through, what was it? Anyways, through, he shows us his faithfulness through his power. The Holy Spirit is in most cases, it's the power force of God. The power of God, amen? Under the old covenant, the old way of relating to God is about what we had to do uh, to be faithful. Under the new covenant, God demonstrates his faithfulness by doing everything for us. As we trust in him, not by might, 
not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Who are you, O great mountain? That mountain of unfaithfulness that's my life, that's our world. Who, who are you, O great mountain, before, before Luke? Luke is going to say grace. He's going to shout it. Grace, 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 grace. Hallelujah. That's each one of us. There's a mountain of unfaithfulness in our lives, a mountain in our world, but we get to shout grace. Hallelujah. Amen. That's God. God is the answer to the unfaithfulness in the world. You know, under the old covenant, the commitment was this we will. We will. We will. God, we will obey all your commands. God, we will do everything that you say. We will. We will. Under the new covenant, it's He will. He will. He will. He will. And so I think sometimes we, we think we might have more to do with this new covenant than we do. Uh, you know, all of the work is God's. Do you know that all the work of salvation is God's work? Do you know that all the work of making you like Jesus is God's work? There's nothing that you can do to make yourself more like Jesus. We might as well not even fret about our spirituality. We trust in God. We believe in His ongoing work in us. There's not one of you sitting here today. The Holy Spirit is at work in you, wonderfully at work in you. You, you don't feel it. You don't see it. The Holy Spirit, man, is just at work, at work, at work, at work, at work, solving problems you don't even know you have. Solving the ones you know you have. But He's at work. He's at work. It says in, in Matthew that the kingdom of God is like a seed that God planted. And we... we it goes into the ground and a miracle happens. And there's a plant. And how'd that happen? That's, that's how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. God has put His seed in us and it's changing us. It's changing our unfaithfulness and it's transforming us because it's, it's His power in us. Amen? It doesn't matter what the issue, the problem, or the failure, or the weakness. Maybe, you know, it, that could be anything. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's traumatic uh, circumstance that you uh, had to deal with. You know, maybe, um, you know, it's a habit that you have that just gets you down and you can't get free from it. You know, our job is not to fight those things, but to surrender to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you're going to deal with that. Holy Spirit, you're going to deal with anger. I'm trusting that that's what's going to happen here. Uh, it's my only, uh, that's, that's our hope, is that God will do the work in us. And so, you know, that is God's power at work. God will set us free. Wonderfully free. Amen? And we'll rejoice in His goodness and His grace as we surrender to Him. You know, God shows His faithfulness through His people through the people who are believing God. Not perfect people, but people who are putting their faith in God. Amen? And learning day to day to surrender themselves to the Lord Jesus. 
and God shows us his faithfulness through each other. Amen? Receiving God's grace daily in order to fulfill his purposes in our lives. I need more of God. Amen? I need more of him in my life. You know, last uh, Sunday, we were listening to testimonies of people who God has been so faithful to. Changed their life. Amen? Powerful. If you missed out last Sunday, watch the video. Tremendous what the Holy Spirit has done, what God in grace has done in the lives of people, what God has done in grace in your life. Wonderful. Inspiring encouraging. You know what, you might think, God's not doing anything in my life. God is. You know what, and he wants to show you his faithfulness. He's never left you. He's never abandoned you. He is with you at all times. Amen? What a faithful God we have. What a faithful God we have. Compared to the faithfulness of God, all the unfaithfulness in the world and in ourselves is like a drop in the ocean. Amen? God wants to show us more and more and more of his faithfulness. So rather than fretting at the unfaithfulness of the world, the unfaithfulness in ourselves, in others, and, you know, we can get heated up about that, or we can get heated up about God's faithfulness. Amen? It says this in Psalm 37. We already read it once. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. God has a five loaves ministry too. Amen? And it's unending. Unending supply of faithfulness. So dwell in Canada. Dwell in Alberta. Dwell in Morinville. Dwell in Sturgeon County. Dwell in Spruce Grove, Stony Plain, Westlock. Dwell in wherever God has put you in your neighborhood. Dwell in the worst wildfire season that our country has seen in decades and decades. Dwell in uh, the highest inflation and the highest cost of living that we've seen in 45 years. Dwell in the midst of a culture where leadership is failing to lead, where truth is being sidelined. Dwell in the midst of all manner of failure and unfaithfulness in yourself, in others, in our world. Dwell in that world, but don't feed on it. Don't feed on it. Don't feed on the world. Don't feed on the unfaithfulness. It is poison. So we want to be those who are feeding on the faithfulness of God. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. Paul and Silas, you know, they didn't feed off of their circumstance. They didn't feed off of having been beaten and thrown into prison and, and, and being innocent all the while. They fell, fed off of a faithful God and their hearts were so full of that faithfulness, so full of the faithfulness of God, they began to sing. I tell you, that is the church in the world. That's the church in the world. That's the church in Morinville. That is the church in your home. Amen. And so the people around us are listening to us. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. You know, our world is listening to us. 
Your neighbors are listening to you. Your coworkers are listening to you. Your friends, your family, the unbelievers are listening to you. Believers are listening to you. Everybody's listening to you. And they live in the same world that we live in. They're in the same prison that we're in. We're all in this world. It's all unfaithful. But they don't know God. They don't know God. And you do. You do. Hallelujah. What a reason to sing. What a reason to rejoice. Hallelujah. Amen. We want to we wanna be those people uh, that when the world hears us, they, it's, like, I, I, it's weird, but I like it. You know? At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. You know, just as in your unfaithfulness, God drew you to himself through his faithfulness. God is drawing people who don't know him and who are unfaithful in the same way. And so we have this tremendous opportunity. Everyone's chains were loosed. It, it wasn't just Paul and Silas, you know, the ones who were good, the good guys in the story. It wasn't just them who were set free. All the criminals were set free. We're not going to get to the end of this story, but we're going to end it here. Everyone was set free. How, do you, how many of you know when an earthquake, this is a very peculiar kind of earthquake. You know, usually earthquakes, if they happen, they, they throw down the building. But in this case, the building remained standing and in place. It was just the doors that burst open and the chains that fell off. Not a natural earthquake. This is a supernatural earthquake. I'm telling you, God wants to do something supernatural through the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? Through our love of Him, through our, 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 we feed on His faithfulness. We begin to feed on that faithfulness and we begin to say no to the world. We begin to say, I'm not feeding on that junk. It's not that it's not real, right? It's not that it, it doesn't need to be dealt with, but we're not feeding it on it anymore. I tell you, I'm feeding on the faithfulness of God. Amen? Hallelujah. The world we live in is not faithful. We are not faithful. And we put a lot of our faith in the world sometimes. Too much. Too much faith in the world. Too much faith in our politicians sometimes. Too much faith in, in, in it, could be, it could be our job. We put a lot of faith in that. And we, obviously we invest it. We, we're spending a lot of, we put a lot of faith in our families. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't have great family relationships. We should. But we want to be putting our faith in the right place too. We want to be feeding off the faithfulness of God. Amen? And it gives us something better when things fall apart and even when they're going good. 
Thanks for joining us today. For more on our messages or information about our ministries, you can visit tfhchurch.ca. We hope you have a great week.